Welcome to CII Podcasts. It's really a pleasure here today to host uh, Adhyan Pandey, uh, who's not only known for her fitness and health, but you know significant contributions that she has made to actually promote a healthy lifestyle and well-being. Uh, I think not only has she guided many people through her work, but uh, I think I can call you a fitness expert, Diane, as someone who has really written books, looked at wellness, healthy living, and been doing this for a long time in multiple ways. Uh, and I think really when we talk of wellness, we talk about a holistic approach to health. And I think you really, uh, you know, symbolize that that institution, that person. So a pleasure to have you with us here today on this you know, India 75, moving to India at 100, fireside chat, I have a dream. You know, very important for us, uh, you know, each one of us to to think of India, uh, you know, in a manner of a dream and really say, you know, we can always look at what is happening today and say this is right and that is wrong. But I think each one of us, you know, 1.4 billion people in India and millions, you know, overseas, uh, would always like to have a vision of a dream of India. So maybe to start uh, with, you know, how do you dream of maybe a healthier India, you know, over the next 25 years? So what comes to you when you think of a dream for India? I've always had this dream to have an holistic India totally. What, what our great-grandfathers used to do. It was very holistic at that time. It's just that it started changing and becoming very modernized and taking us away from the traditions and what we and culture that we had many years ago. You know, we ate on a thali, we ate uh, small portions of food, we ate vegetarian, we had less salt, less uh, oil in our food. We did a lot of yoga, we did a lot of walking. Uh, my grandparents, being Christian, uh, did a lot of dancing. You know, they didn't have technology at that time. so. It's very simple to get India to what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. It was very healthy then. The the fast food, uh, processed foods, industries, technology has changed a lot. Construction, you know, uh, cutting trees, not encouraging growing trees and you know, all of that is happening. It's changing. Actually, if you go to see India, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's nature. India, if you go to see Kerala, up north, anywhere, it always had a lot of trees, greenery, culture. So somewhere down the line, I think there are buildings coming up, cement, there's a lot of construction. It's taking away that beauty away from our culture. Now we have very few cities like Jaipur, Jodhpur, you know, Kerala that have, Kerala is known for Ayurveda, right? So it's still very authentic. You know, I go to Kerala very often to do my treatments. And uh, uh, Ayurvedic treatments have spread all over the world. People go all over the world for Ayurveda when they have it here in India. You know, when they have it here in India. So that's, it's been my dream to have Indians not travel anywhere in the world. We have all the solutions to health and wellness in India. If we just have to go back to our ancient, you know, to Ayurveda, to yoga, to what our grandfathers and grandfathers practiced. It's all solutions are here. We just have to just bring it back. I think that's such a powerful and a simple way to explain where we need to be 25 years from today. We just got to break back something that we have given to the oil. And it's interesting because today we find a lot of people from the West and others actually not only using it there, but bringing it back into India. You know, and it is something which has gone 
strongly out of India. So completely, you know, relate to that dream and vision that you just shared. It would be so proud because I travel on wellness and fitness and spas and retreats all over the world. And everywhere I go, there is yoga. There's Ayurveda. There is Indian, uh, you know, turmeric and ashwagandha that they use. And when I went to LA recently, they were selling all these Indian herbs at, at such a costly price. And it's available out here. And sometimes we go there to pick up all of that when it's all available in India and locally. Oh, absolutely. And it's been so well researched historically. You know, like when you talked of vegetarianism, for example, or different things that the world is now, you know, largely accepting, which originated a lot to India. The you know, bad so many other aspects, right? Probably the ecology itself, you know, is so differently governed when, you know, nutritional and lifestyle habits change. So, they can- turmeric, uh, you know, turmeric has become so famous from India. You know, coconut oil has become famous from India. You name all the, the top superfoods are all mushrooms, rishi mushrooms, you know, all of them originated from India. It's all from here, from our India, from our gurus, you know, from our gurus and and it's just, it's, in fact, I'm, I'm right now at a spa up north and it's all Indian. It's Ayurvedic, it's vegetarian food. It's, it's so beautiful to be in a place that is Indian tradition, you know. Today's Mahasak Sankranti and we had like sitting on the floor, we had Bojan on the floor. They practiced the tradition yesterday. We had the burning of the fire. Today we're going to fly kites. You know, it's so beautiful to just live our, our tradition and it's healthy. It's healthy. Yeah. And it's so honest. And you know, it's healthy. Deanne, how, how did you get into this entire thing? You know, I think, you know, what will really inspire many other Indians is your journey itself. You know, you're you know, a fitness expert, you're an author, you're a wellness coach. I mean, take us a little bit through your journey, uh, you know, from where it started and where you are here today. And, and then we'll take it further from where where we will see you when India is at Hagrid. Yes, so my journey goes back to when I was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, my older sister was a model and uh, she used to have these Jane Fonda cassettes, you know, these video cassettes to work out. So when she would go on a modeling assignment, we would steal those cassettes and, and practice the workout. And I just felt that I started liking how I felt and I started enjoying it at a very young age of 12 and 13. The Jane Fonda workouts that my sister happened to have with her. And that's how my journey actually began. And when I would get free time after school and after studying, you know, tuitions and uh, free time to go down and be with friends, I would want to do this workout. And then soon uh, I stumbled upon uh, yoga. I came across this uh, uh, old uh, yoga shala. And at that time, yoga was more uh, meditation and uh, more giving gyan and talking and less of uh, asanas. Very few asanas. So I started practicing it. I was very curious and that's how I stumbled upon yoga. And uh, I started preaching it to a lot of people. But at that time, they would say that you're so young, you know, yoga is for old people. Why are you doing it at the age of 16? And they couldn't understand when I would practice pranayamas and my breathing and meditation. At a very young age, I would just give me a sense of calm. I would feel very good from the rest of the, my, my hype of friends around. You know, hype at that age, teenage, they're hyper and they, are, they want to go out and they want to. So it just made me feel very different. And then I remember I got a summer job and I made some money and I got my first, I bought my own gym membership. 
and I started lifting weights at the age of I think 16 or 17 and again I got really strong and fit and I started lifting more weights than any of the boys or men out there so I would get very yeah complex so that's how my journey started and um, then I would travel whenever I would travel I would always want to check out healthy food check out gyms classes it just opened up something in me that I used to get very excited you know this is this is this is what I want to do I don't know how and where it's going to take me but this is at the age of 12 or 13 I knew this is something that I want to you know apply to my life and then years later I started writing uh, on health and wellness for uh, for magazines and newspapers and that's how it started and then I got offered uh, the Miss India pageant to train uh, to train the contestants in the year 2000 I think and that's how my journey started as a personal trainer I, I then I'll train the Miss Indias for like 40 days and I'll come back to my kids they were very small I was a full-time mom and I, I was always a full-time mom I just centered my work around my kids when they would go to school and I would have time off them I would take on another client when they would go for a tuition in the evening or a class I would take on two more clients so I was always there as a mother first and my career came second when they grew up and they got you know busy and they had lives on their own and then that's when my my business and career expanded into into I, I, I built a gym of my own I started doing workout gear I started writing books and blogs on health and wellness and this is a small part you know I started giving health and wellness workshops training people I started doing so much I, I started thri- thriving you know it, it then there was no stopping this is yeah. this is yeah this is my passion you know I, I found it Oh, I think you balance both, you know, your your work life balance, and I think holistic wellness also, in a way, is about you know being able to do that given what are your priorities and what you consider beautiful, you know. And I think if each individual, you know, if he starts viewing their life holistically as a good balance amongst between home and work and you know many many things, I think we'll get a far more productive generation, you know. Yes. What we get achieved as a country. Very interesting thing is that because I started at a very young age, I was exposed to health and wellness and nutrition at a very young age, much before India. Even when I started training Miss India's, there were two health experts only, Mickey Mehta and me. There was no concept of personal training, so I was lucky enough to to stumble upon wellness very early to understand the difference, what really wellness means holistically, and what uh fitness took a very wrong turn and that is when i shut my gym down and i started writing books and blogs because wellness and fitness took a very wrong turn as in uh, there was a lot that were taking steroids and fat burners and uh, processed uh, protein shakes and going on crash diets and this is something that would upset me a lot because i was very holistic by nature just natural i don't believe in diets and you know eat uh, eat uh, what is locally grown uh, eat what is not processed what what you uh, what you can't uh, pick pluck or peel right don't don't eat it so i came from very and, and at that time people wouldn't understand they would come to me at the gym and they would say in 3 months we want abs now genetically we're not built to get abs or get so much muscle in 3 months it's a lot of hard work so i used to lose out in a lot of work because i would decline clients because i wouldn't want to go that way with fat burners or anything that was not uh, not uh, you know not uh, not right 
uh, so I didn't mind it that I was losing so much of work, but I stuck I stuck by uh, what I what I firmly believe in a holistic way uh, to wellness, which is a very broad spectrum. It's not just the food on your plate or your gym or your workouts. It's your state of mind. It's your relationships. It's your career. Are you happy with your, what is joy in your life? really mean for you it's not material things or a big house or a car it's maybe you know the health of your parents or that your child does well in school so I started uh, preaching on these values this is what is wellness you know positive in the mind I started promoting a lot more of yoga and meditation and uh, now everybody's picking this up the last two years after the pandemic People are turning towards a lot of, you know, a lot of organic farmers and organic companies are starting out stuff and people are going a lot more towards holistic health. So it's changing now. There is, there is a high in, you know, what we call consciousness levels towards pandemic because of the of the pain that the world went through and, you know, yeah. also the stress levels, right? The mental health, which you see, especially, you know, younger people are suffering today compared to earlier days. You know, I, yeah. so how how does one really look at you know changing either you know you talked about habits you know the 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 pick the blood and the bean you know from yeah. from food to mental if we had to change habits at scale in India how how do we do that what do you so think? this is what what I said uh, twenty years ago I said uh, yoga should be introduced as a subject like how we have Hindi Marathi. Sanskrit, you know, history, geography, all of that. Yoga should be a subject. One period in, in that day for that 45 minutes or one hour, all students from a very young age, has, you have to teach them yoga and meditation. Because this is this is the core of, of, if you're a calm person and not stressed, there's so much more that you can learn, gain knowledge, uh, and deal with, with the world and problems in, in, a, in a better way. So yoga and meditation should be a subject, which I've said many, many years ago, they should uh, make it compulsory. Secondly, uh, the research that I have done is if you uh, teach kids to grow, uh, make it like a subject, like I said, to grow their own vegetables and gardening in a school, it research shows that they grow up to be very conscious about their food and eating habits and health habits. Because if they're taught from a very young age to grow, and to eat what they're growing and to grow pesticide and to, to have gardens and like a subject in, in, in your school. It's it's those individuals are going to grow up and have their own backyards into, you know, growing their own food and eating what they grow. So these two things I felt I always said should be compulsory. Right. And and really, you know, while we do talk about children at the Egyptian society, I think uh, you know, women hold a very significant role. Yeah, you know, especially you know, in our country, both at home and even in organizations, right? Even today at the workplace, we are seeing, you know, women taking on much more responsibilities. But like you also said, there's always probably a little more challenge balancing work life, etc. But how do you really see the role of, you know, what I would say nearly 50% of our population, right, in the country? Is there a differentiated role there? Is it something that we can address, you know, uh, Connectivity as a society, or do you see complementarity? How do you look at that that angle, uh, particularly the area of you know promoting more uh, wellness and and, and the lifestyle for women? 
for working women. So yeah, so I also was a working mom. My children were very young. They were like one and a half years and three and a half. And uh, uh, I, uh, there's a way of working, right? They were very small size to work from the house. And some people don't have that opportunity. They have to work outside. They have to get a job because they have to have earnings, whatever. You, you know, I had that choice of working from the house. But I did it. I did it, you know. I mean, uh, what made me do it is, is my past of my health and wellness. Because I was fortunate to start it at a very young age, I just developed into a very healthy mindset, very fit in the mind and body. And I was ready to take on any issue, any kind of stress, any kind of problem. It's just that when you're very fit and healthy, uh, you, it's easier to deal, deal with situations and it makes you very stronger in every field as a housewife, as a, you know, a mother, as a working woman, being fit and healthy in the mind and body is very important. So a lot of women do make excuses because, but I don't believe in excuses. I feel it's not being selfish to have self-care and to look after yourself first as a woman because you have so many roles to play. Nowadays, uh, a woman wants to earn money, have a career, you know, look after a house, children, in-laws, friends, entertain. There's so much, you know. So I think it's very important to put yourself first where self-care is concerned and put that time aside. I used to do it. When my kids were really small, I used to have that one hour day that I used to go to the gym. And I, my husband, mother-in-law, I gave them that duty, that one hour. As an Indian woman, we feel bad. No, you know, mothers have to do it. Women have to do it. It's not. A man has an equal role. He's given birth to that child also. You know, so it's not that it's only a woman's duty. You know, so... A man can do that and he can work. So can a woman, you know, she can work and look after kids. But uh, very important, like I said, is the working out because uh, whatever, whatever suits you, whether it's yoga, your dancing, your cycling, swimming, whatever, movement is key. You need to move around. You need to not look at it as weight loss, look at it as health, organ health, holistic health. Uh, like you said, mental health, because, you know, after it, it took COVID to have people suffer from that, you know, I mean, it took such a, a pandemic where where I had figured out uh, about the state of the mind many years ago. And that was my first book called I'm Not Stressed. You know, I wrote it on stress and what it does to the body and how women suffer from, you know, hormonal issues and PCOS, PCODs, lifestyle diseases, infertility a lot hair loss you know dark circles and so much more it all it's all it's all stress so as a woman we feel that we 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 built to take stress you know we shouldn't talk about it uh so that's where self care comes in you know looking after yourself first before you're there for anybody else and i know i think that's a very powerful advice to women and you know what they should be doing on a regular basis but the same applies to men to younger generations and you know through your books you have really you know, captured a lot of that. So when you write a book, what's the creative process that goes behind it? How do you pick a subject, you know, uh, and, and, and something that could connect with readers? How do you, how do you go about that? So this is very interesting also. So when I was the first health and wellness author in India, right, to write a book. So when Penguin House, uh, Random House uh, approached me many years ago, I think this was 13 or 14 years ago, uh, they said, we want you to write a book, you know, on fitness and diet. And 
So I said, give me time. Let me think of something interesting and get back to you. And at that time, I had my gym that was up and running. I had a three-floor gym that had yoga and had a, a spa and a, a naturopath a doctor and a physiotherapist and all of that. And it was a whole all-in-one all center. And uh, then I realized that, you know, my friends and clients would always say, Deanne, you're so calm. You know, you go through issues also in your life, problems, but you handle it very well. And uh, they would get stressed about very small things. You know, first a maid would back chat or a driver would come a little late or, or a husband would nag them. And they had stress in their lives every day. So I said, I'm going to write a book on stress and what it does to the body. Then I started doing research and it was shocking. It's the number one killer today. Stress leads to lifestyle diseases and to, you know, all of the other issues and heart attacks and yeah, so uh, I my, that's that's how my first book was born. I called I'm not stressed, and I connected it to uh, nutrition, uh, yoga, workout. Sleep was a very important uh, chapter in the book because nowadays I see people don't dream anymore. You know, you dream when you're in your deep sleep, so you don't hear people talking about their dreams anymore. So they're not getting restful sleep. So the second book, um, that's when I was ready to write a guide for men and women. It's everything to do with workouts, nutrition, diets. I mean, I don't believe in diets, but nutrition in general. So it's a guide. It's a very serious book. It's you, if you need to gain knowledge on, you know, if you're a fit fitness enthusiast or a trainer, or you get a lot of knowledge from that book. And I named it uh, Shut Up and Train because I would always have people saying that I want to lose weight and I want a six, six pack and I want to look like this actress or I want to look like that actor. I would just say, shut up and train. You know, you need to work hard. There are no quick fixes. You need to work hard. You need to, you know, be holistic in every way and natural. So that book was born. And then the third book was, I started writing it much before we knew the pandemic was setting in. And it's it's called Balance. And it's these 13 aspects in your life. And I, I give I teach you how to strike a balance to stay happy and healthy, you know. So I started writing the book and then the pandemic hit and uh, they decided to release it and it helped a lot of people. The book did really well. Yeah. No, I think the, the research, the way you have been able to create guides and, and you know, things that people can do is a direct impact that, you know, will can can affect people at scale and individuals. And I think what we need to see is how more and more people adopt many of these practices, right? Because many times, you know, we need to ensure that there is this consistency over perfection kind of push that people should be able to have. And the people will do something for a little bit, leave it, you know, for some time, come back to it. And, you know, in that context, also the journey for India, you know, over the next 24 years that we have to 2047, 23 now, um, what, what do you think will change? Right? I mean, one place we bring back the old ways of doing things uh, because the external environment will keep changing. Right? And an easy fix is if people are able to strengthen their inner selves, you know, in a manner that they're able to, what you rightly said, deal with stress. You know, people mistake probably pressure and stress in one word. You know, you put more pressure, you add more resilience. So you become stronger. But stress is not something that's making you stronger just because you got stressed, right? But that is going to be something that's going to probably continue to stay around us. So how do you see holistic wellness, fitness change over these few years? I know one, one is technology can come in more 
proactively help you track things better, make you more disciplined, maybe give you a little more data. But is there any fundamental shift that you see happening over these next, you know, two, three decades as we're sitting today? You know, so if you're looking, what will an ideal fitness regime maybe 20 years from today look like? Will it be different from today? I think it's going to go backwards, I feel, because people are doing so much and they're getting ill and they're getting joint problems and they're getting injuries. So that, when they reach that level, they are taking few steps back and, you know, going towards, you know, slower ways of training and maybe, you know, physiotherapists, holistic ways, holistic. So it's not nice that you reach that stage and so, uh, and then realize, you, you I, I believe in prevention. Prevention is better than cure. You do things... Not drastically, you do it, you strike a balance, like you don't work out too much, you do, you're going to hurt your knees or your back or have an injury or tear a muscle. You do it uh, mindfully. I don't believe in going to uh, many doctors and many nutritionists and trainers and not find the solution. It's very simple, it's within you. You have to do what suits you, what you like, what your body's capable of doing. It all starts also with nutrition, you know. How you eat, you need to eat very sensibly, very clean, very seasonal, locally grown. I don't believe in it, you know, this has come from Amsterdam, it's very exotic and this avocados come. I don't believe in all of that, I believe in eating local. You know, like how our forefathers ate, simple dal, chawal, you know, little sabzi, small portions. I believe workout, uh, Indians are not made to do like a crossfit, I remember my first CrossFit class and that it was the only class I went to. It was like, you know, it was giving me a headache. Like, it was whatever. You just need to do things that... It doesn't mean that if you do more, it means that it's good, right? You need to do stuff sensibly. You need your program formulated by an expert. And you have to have a mind. If That's why I say yoga and meditation because the mind doesn't get cluttered then. When the mind is not cluttered, you make, you make sensible choices. And when you make sensible choices, you don't go... To, towards injuries and doing something wrong or protein shakes and for example now there's a diabetic medicine that uh, the that offer diabetics and the the side effects are weight loss so i know people are taking it not having diabetes so that is wrong so i started writing and and talking about that you know so i said to what extent people are doing that and they do, and it's it's going to uh, ruin their pancreas in the long run because it's meant for a diabetic or an obese person why are you taking it just to lose weight, you know? So so people are doing anything just to look thin, to look slim. And that is not what health is. But I try every single day of my life to, through my blogs, through my books, through my talks, to practice the only way is holistic. And it's very simple. You go back locally to your, to your food, you go back to your yoga, meditation, your walks. Walking is the best thing and it's free. You know, you can walk anywhere. You can join a gym, do weights do outdoor training, whatever, you know, just don't complicate it. Life is very simple. You know, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't follow these diets that never work. You need to eat very simple in your plate, you know, uh, adequate amount of protein, a little bit of simple complex carbs, your fiber. Just keep it, eat a lot of fruit and vegetables. You know, just add a lot of vegetables to everything. Keep it simple. Yeah, it's a very different and insightful conversation in the end because we are talking of an India at 100 say that we now got to go to India at minus 100 or, you know, go back to India probably at minus 1000 before the, we, we, we really talk of the independence as our, you know, one point when we got back a country, you know, that was influenced by, by others. But I think that's a, itself a very, very powerful way of looking at the future, you know, building on something that 
is so inherent and already existing within us both, you know, as you were talking about whether it is the genetic or the physical or the mental construct of people in India and how we should be looking at our future and the future of the next few generations. But you know, young people still today get very influenced by all the things that you would just see, right? A lot from, you know, the West and the quick fixes and many of the things that you talked about that affected. So what's your message to that youth, which is going to be at the center stage, you know, 20, 25 years from today. What's your, what's your message to the younger lot uh, in the country? It's very tough. I can't say much to them because they're not going to listen because it's a very, it's a different generation. It's all, they're always on their phones. They don't listen to their parents or, you know, their teachers. It's very tough. So I can't, I don't really have, I can't really give advice. I have to figure out. I have this one idea I've always had. Uh, I mean, it's it's connected in the long run to uh, to fitness and wellness. It's, I That's one more thing I've always felt that they should pass this rule that every house plants a tree. Because we are going towards an India that is, uh, you know, uh, it was very green. There are still a lot of green pockets everywhere, but there are cities that are getting very polluted. And this, our great-great-grandchildren are going to live in these cities, you know. So I just feel that they should pass this thing uh, that every house, every household uh, has to plant a tree. Because years from now, 10 years from now, we'll have full-grown trees. So a lot of more oxygen and clean air. You know, in, in the long run, if this goes on, we have greenery everywhere, you know. So I feel this is something that the government should pass. It's it's maybe give seeds, seeds to everybody and let them plant. If not a tree, at least plants everywhere. Just make it a green, all the cities should be very green. It's not tough. I mean, we see balconies everywhere, a lot of greenery. It's changing, it's, it's getting better. But I planted three trees in my, in my backyard, front yard. So it just makes a difference. It's very simple. Plant it and it, it just grows. And then Ted has a full-grown tree. Yeah. And then it becomes a relationship with that tree for every young person, right? You're yes. growing, you're enabling other life to grow. And that life is actually complementary to you because what the tree and plant gives you is yes. like you. Yes. So it's a, you know, it's a give and take yeah. of nature. So yes, because you... Yeah, you just have to pass a rule. You know, we have so many rules in society. Uh, BMC, you know, so many things happening. Why not just let every household make it a rule, plant a tree? You know, so it's very simple. Give them seeds, maybe, you know, if they can't afford to buy a plant and whatever. And just little green pockets everywhere. And it's very simple. So I just hope that happens soon. I mean, I think, I think there will be, again, as I said earlier, you know, a big soul, different stakeholders, including government, policy makers, individuals corporations, companies, academicians, everyone working together to keep India healthier, more well, you know, over the next few decades. And actually, the opportunity lies in India taking this to the rest of the world. I mean, I think one last point I want to just ask you about is, do you see enough investment, right? Because you've been in this space. Ultimately, you also, you know, like you said, you run a gym, you write books, you're doing a lot around wellness. Do you think there is enough investment coming into this space? Let alone the time and energy of people investing. But I'm, when I'm talking from an industry standpoint, or do you think that has already started to happen? Where are we in that journey, you know, uh, basis what you're seeing around the things that you're in? Sorry, you'll have to repeat that once more again. That uh, Not question. Investments that are coming into the space of wellness, you know, uh, around the areas that you're working, 
do you see that happening uh, you know in india where where you are and how you are looking at some of the things that you are doing yeah so it is it is like i said after the pandemic a lot of you know a lot of organic uh, products have come in farmers are doing a lot of more you know organic stuff we are all eating organic so a lot has changed that way but uh, like i said i've come to a spa up north and it's in a little hill and it's just greenery and it's and it's all indian tradition indian food yeah ayurveda and it's it's beautiful we wear all these lovely capes and we wear these malas and we practice a lot of meditation and yoga and it's all holistic and this is what india is india is holistic it is ayurveda it's yoga it goes back to the scriptures years ago you know the way we ate also was very you know very healthy so like i said we just have to just invest in that and try to bring it back there's a small lot that is doing it but uh, yeah we just have to trust more centers like this where i am i'm, I'm at a place in dehradun called vana which is it's it's so beautiful to be here. and i just said i you know this is india the indian traditions that we're wearing all these lovely cotton kurtas and all this is india you know like what you're wearing that's india it's it's organic it's cotton you know so we just need to get it back and one earth one family you know we that concept would go out of india as we saw happening during the g20 as india the more prominent on the global stage we are going to see a lot of indigenous from going to many other parts of the world it started going years ago so lovely it's been such a pleasure and joy uh, chatting with you dian and i know we could keep going on i know we could scroll on and we've had a lovely conversation and i'm sure a lot for us to do together as well as we move forward towards it yeah i'm dreaded uh good luck and all what you're doing and we'll reach out to you and see how we get collectively you know do a lot more together to to make any time and that talk on wellness any time thank you thank you thank you for listening to cii podcasts